Discograffiti presents Queasy Listening. Episode number two, Billy Joel's An Innocent Man. This one's a good one. We haven't even done it yet, and I can confirm that's right. In advance. That Look, it's, it's easy good. to be dismissive these days and say that everything sucks. With Queasy Listening, we aim to explain why you shouldn't be listening to these things. But frankly, there's probably no need to really explain it to you. That's the irony. We also have a helpful series about how not to um, punch yourself in the face. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and how not to accidentally you murder yourself. <laughs> uh, okay, first things first, okay? Billy Joel is not good. All right, wait a minute. I, I'll jump right <laughs> in and take exception. I'm kind of probably a bigger Billy Joel um, apologist fan? than you. I wouldn't I'm say fan. You avoided the, f- I the wouldn't word. say fan. I do. Look, I'm old enough to say I like The Stranger a lot. The Stranger's a really good record. That album is legit good. That's definitely the best album. And it, that's, that's I, four stars. There's no other. Four and a half stars. <laughs> I'm not going there. <laughs> I, I refuse to rate it unless I'm held down and made <laughs> But, uh, you know, I don't like any other of his records. And there's some things that he's done that I think are detestable and right. offensive. I can't f- endorse any of his other records. I can say he has some good other, other good songs okay. that are not on The Stranger album. For example, like, you love side one of the nylon curtain. No, I, like, I, I will tolerate a couple of songs. Oh, sure. The mic goes one. on and then all of a sudden. Now, what did I say? I said, <laughs> pressure you said I to like. Me, I like pressure. You said to me that half of the first side is awesome. No. No, you no, said I it in so many no. words. Because I only like two songs. I only know two songs. Out of four. Okay. Well, then by defect. Because yes. Goodnight Saigon is bloated. Yeah. So it takes that up one, all that room. That one, so good. you love half I like, of side I like Allentown. Okay. <laughs> I think Alan Townsend. love not pressure bad. and Alan I like Town. pressure. Sorry. I actually like. Yeah. All right. Point is, all right. <laughs> I grew up around a lot of like New York City Italian guys that were like my dad's friends, um, and of that generation. Who um, so I, this the sort of culture that Billy Joel represents the sort of Italian New York meatball eating Yankees loving. <laughs> That's <laughs> culture. right. It's very familiar to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's kind of how I grew up. That you know. Um, so, um, it, it's I just you know it, this this record. I mean, did, uh, by the way, at this point, what, the reason we picked this record because really you could say oh, I hate Billy Joel. You could just point to any of his records and they suck. No, we I actually thought about it. This was my turn to pick, right? Uh, because Joe got the end of the innocence, so <laughs> I got the honor this time. So, uh, you know, in, in carefully examining his excreted puddle of musical offerings. I found that the two most offensive records are this and Glass Houses, where that's kind of his punk record. Yeah, it's like his like his reaction to punk. You know? Mo- yeah. Yes, so they're most deserving of a bitch slapping. By the way, I think <laughs> Glass Houses came out in 1980, so definitely late to the party. Okay, this um, record is way worse than yeah, Glass yeah, Houses. Yeah, I agree. This it's record just, is grating. It's it's yeah. irritating as fuck. It is. It is. So It's so, so hard the to say. The first thing I hate about it. <laughs> is that the, it, okay? It's kind of an homage to all these, you know, to the fifties and early. Let's 60s talk or about whatever. before you continue. Hold on, just just pause. I know where you're going with this, so just pause it for a sec. I just want to tell a story about my friend John Landis, who is a friend of the pod, fr- has been on the show. His episode's going to be released soon. He was friends uh, with Alfred Hitchcock, and one day was this is one of his favorite stories about Hitch. He um, he. By the way, calls him Hitch. I call him Hitchcock. <laughs> so 
Uh, he's talking about Brian De Palma's Dress to Kill, so it's approximately 1980, and they're talking about the uh, that element of homage to Hitchcock's work, and he says, homage, it's more like fromage. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, I think, what we get with An Innocent Man is that he tries and fails to capture the essence of all these different styles of music uh, and just basically is lobbing fistfuls of cheese at us. It's just inherently, like that, that kind of like cheap nostalgia is just so inherently uninteresting. You know, it's like, it's just warmed over original shit, but like with crappy 80s productions. I'll just, I'll stick with the originals, dude. I'll just put yeah. the Wilson Pickett record on. <laughs> I need to hear your take this, on Wilson Pickett. This bullshit had been creeping into the music indu- industry since uh, 1969. Yeah, well, this, was right before Jimi Hendrix. This is like third wave. Right this is like third wave 50s revival. We're, but, in, ni- I mean, we're in 1983. It's not even that long ago. Listen, Shanana at Woodstock was uh, Jimi Hendrix, Hendrix's national anthem compared yeah. to an innocent. And man. then this, this, this take on nostalgia has a specific kind of like stick ball and like we're sitting on a stoop <laughs> like wait so it's stick ball like, and meatball there's <laughs> yeah. all kinds of balls and like you know it's like mickey mantle is hanging around somewhere and like you know we're, we're all greasing up our it's it's, it's this it's a wait, very is cheap there, kind is of is the only 50s nostalgia that exists that's cool zappa and the mothers rubens <laughs> cruising which that's you, cooler that's <laughs> yeah cruising with ruben is amazing it's, it's just all that i mean it's like okay we're we're gen xers you know I, i'm not really clamoring a record about going and playing Pac-Man at the 7-Eleven and like wearing parachute pants and watching right. watching real people and shit. It gives a fuck. Right. It was fine. I lived right. through it. It was when I was a kid. Here, I don't need to relive it all the time. Here's basically... Wasn't that amazing? Here's basically... I don't know if I. this is why I take offense to it. It's one of the... Okay, this is not maybe the main reason I take offense to it. However, his penis wrote this record. <laughs> right. Let me explain. Yeah, that's okay? the worst part. So he was, <laughs> <laughs> he was placing <laughs> aforementioned penis inside models and wanted us mere mortals to feel the excitement that his penis was experiencing as he rode so high in, uh, in the charts. So Yeah, so he said he was inspired to revisit his teenage years because he felt like a teenager right. again. So he had because been he married did, to a woman <laughs> named Elizabeth Weber, who he wrote the actual great song, Just the Way You Are About. Then I uh, apparently he didn't love her just the way she was because yeah, apparently he, he fucking bailed on her for yeah, supermodels. Apparently there's he no likes the way, way he likes the way they are a lot better. Liked yeah he much prefers the way they are <laughs> right. So he 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 dated Elle McPherson. He dated Christy Brinkley, who he, he was in a long term relationship with, and uh, this was tickling his fancy. Right, right. when so you he, say he was so, tickled, pink. right? So he felt like a teenager again. So he right. wanted to revisit the music of his teenage years. Right. So and the whole thing was kicked off with uh, the song Easy Money because Rodney Dangerfield uh, asked him to write it for his, his movie, Easy Money, back when Rodney Dangerfield was making R-rated movies. By the way, have you noticed they got to, from R to PG-13 to PG to G and then he died. Okay, so be careful. <laughs> because Just there's nothing after R. G. <laughs> <laughs> right. So Easy Money was made as a, a tribute to sort of like early R&B days. Like a what would you say, Wilson Pickett? It's like or a some James shit? Brown. He does the high. Right, right. <laughs> he does the so like and five then times. and then when uh, one of the worst songs on this record, tell her about it. Rodney actually made an appearance in the video. So I'd like oh, to I say, forgot. even though he's dead, that I'd like to m- a movement to cancel Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> <laughs> so easy money, a song as a song, 
it probably makes sense just fine over like the montage scene where like Rodney Dangerous char character, you know, Rodney's characters like <laughs> taking a little kid to a strip bar and like, you know, farting in front of some old lady and like doing all <laughs> other adorably inappropriate things. Right. It probably makes perfect sense in that context, I'm sure. It's been a minute since I've seen Easy Money. As a standalone song, it's, it's just a little weird. Yeah, but it's it is little, his like, best movie. It's Billy Joel's worst record and it's Rodney's <laughs> best movie. An episode idea. Rate Rodney Dangerfield. Movie. Well, episode idea. Let's inverse just do proportion that, let's of just Billy do that Joel right now. Rodney Dangerfield credibility. <laughs> all right. So um, all right. So let's talk I'm just gonna look That's the, the opening song is the is easy. Is money. Easy money, right. And and here's the singles. So the Tell Her About It was number one. Oh, that's just pure sucks. excretion. Yeah. Uptown Girl, number three, that's a bad song. An Innocent Man, number 10, that is a horrible song. These are all top 10 singles. The Longest Time was number 14. Leave a Tender Moment Alone was number 27. Keeping the Faith was number 18. Mm. I mean, this is insane. It, it has like seven hit, hit the singles. The record was on, on the chart for 111 weeks. Uh, his longest charting album behind the stranger. It was septuple platinum. It was ridiculous. <laughs> so, what would talk to me about? Because you listened to it again, right? You didn't skirt yes, your I responsibility. Did. I, did. I listened I, to I it. I even listened to all the other. What was? Songs. How did you really feel? How well, did you really feel listening to it? First of all, the okay. So I I generally don't like pastiche to begin with. This is all like the intent of it is pastiche, but like he breaks character in it. So like the song like an innocent man. It starts like this, like Benny King, like Stand By Me kind of thing. And then that's all right, whatever. It's lame, but whatever. And then it goes into some whole other, like regular, like vaguely pissed off Billy Joel ballad <laughs> kind of part. There's nothing to do with the other part of the song. And then like back into the Benny King thing. Like, so his like, commitment to the bit isn't even that strong. I hate the chorus. It sounds. It's the, also it. this. Uh, this record just sounds like just stale it's and like so canned. Stale. It it's just so sounds stale. like the most yeah. canned, like. Uninspired. I told like, you my least favorite part of the record, right? On Tell Her About It. <laughs> so in the chorus where it goes, Tell her about it. Tell her everything. That, that honk of the horn, it fills me with hate and disgust. Literally every time I heard it for uh, this troll. Such a small detail. but It so, is, uh, but it just it murdered me. That's a I good example of one. That it seems like it's like this upbeat, jaunty sort of thing, but it's just so canned. and. I mean, compare it. Okay. The song Only Rock and Roll to me, not a great song, right? But compare it to, to this. Like right. that song at least right. has some life to it. You well, know? it's just a silly misfire as far as I'm concerned. But this is, a, this to me is just more, <clears throat> it's more offensive. It's like depressingly bad. It is depressingly yeah. bad. So, you know, here's my thing for this one is that I was really, I was listening to it and I really try for queasy listening because here's the thing. I'm actually trying to gauge my feelings as I listen to it. I'm not trying to just, Toss out frisbees. This is like an existential uh, yeah, meditation it is. of why things are bad. So just as white as the guy singing it, this music is so white. And then I just started sort of lit thinking about how white it was. I was at work, and I actually, um, for, uh, for a day job, I'm a hearing instrument specialist. I fit hearing aids. So somebody had canceled. I had a two-hour gap, and I was listening to Billy Joel. There was no one in the office <laughs> but me. I was wearing two masks. Okay, so... It, I started just uh, thinking about how it's so white that I just found it started feeling that it was painful to listen to, like actually hurting me to listen to. And I was wondering why. And then I felt like it was connecting with a part of my soul 
that I felt way too cleaned out and blank to acknowledge. Okay, so that's where I actually started getting somewhere with my, because <laughs> I really started trying to feel what this is like. So I had, in 2019, leading into 2020, I had two really difficult neck surgeries. And after many, many years of uh, not cr even crossing pads with opiates of any kind, um, I was uh, had to be back on them because of the intense pain. And right before the initial lockdown in 2020, I had to kick morphine and Norco. And that feeling after, uh, while I was actually um, uh, uh, getting the opiates out of my body, the tumbleweeds that blew through my soul and that feeling of that blankness, like nothing is below my feet, that somehow, that feeling is directly related to listening to this record for me. And I'm not even joking. <laughs> I'm not even joking. It feels like that. It feels like that. <laughs> I don't think that's what he intended when he made Uptown Girl. Well, he hit somewhere much deeper than <laughs> just Uptown Girl. Uptown Girl has 500 million plays on Spotify. That's All insane right, to me. So people are listening to it ironically, right? They're listening to it because yeah. it sucks, right? That's got to be why. Uh, no, nobody does. I think it's kind of like we like built that. this city or something where it's like it's like it's it's the known, only people it's who just do that. known as an utter piece of shit. So, so people listen to it ironically. Yeah. I mean, I would listen to we built this city way before this. But ironically, though, no, because they're inserting place names in it. It's meant for radio. <laughs> right. They know how shitty it is. Right. He doesn't know how shitty I this is. I think this is a similar kind of... I think Uptown Girl has become a piece of 80s kitsch. I think it's become a yeah. thing that, that knowing people know it's terrible. He's loved. And to me, he's playing at things. Um, and he's a song and dance man, but he's not an artist. It's another one of those things that, you know, if you're one of these like New York City, like stickball kind of guys, you love... I could be murdered you love, saying what I'm saying. You love Frankie Valli. <laughs> Uh, Frankie that. Valley is like your favorite fuck thing. That. If you're one of these new and the most annoying thing I've ever heard is Lou Christie going <laughs> Lightning striking again. More annoying than Billy Joel going so fire. It's on the same level. <laughs> Congrats on smashing Christy Brinkley, though. <laughs> Definitely. He, he's, uh, he's very quick to remind you that he's that he's smashing Christy Brinkley. I think he saw himself as an everyman. I think he looks like an everyman. He sees himself oh, as Oh, I'm sure one. Christy Brinkley and Elle McPherson loved him for his personality. No, but I'm saying that when he was excited about um, putting his penis inside models, <laughs> right. I'm sure that he was excited and thinking that we'd be excited for him because right. we saw like, how ugly he was. <laughs> like He's like tricking them like on our behalf. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Yes, and so thank you for so much for joining us on Queasy Listening. Look out for whatever episode number three is, because we don't oh, even we didn't know even yet. get to half of these shitty songs. There's so much more. It's terrible. There's nothing even that needs to be said about the songs. Do you want to talk about them? There's other bad ones. That's all. That's all. There, so I'll just say this in closing. There's like seven smash hits and then three other songs. <laughs> you should hear the three other songs. <laughs> they should release an EP. They're real bad. An innocent man's if other you like songs. Hearing, if you like songs that have a guy going like, <laughs> 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 if you like that, if you like that, you'll love this. All right. I, yeah, I guess that's enough. That's it. <laughs> we'll join you guys on the next one. We'll see you for Queasy Listening number three when we try to get to the bottom of understanding just why we feel so hateful towards the things that we do. Until then. All right. Keep Patreon and on. Thanks for uh, thanks for subscribing. Seriously, and, uh, yeah, really. Thank you. See you next time.